watching The Nick Zelaya Show. Here's your host, Nick Zelaya. Welcome everybody back to episode two and a Super Bowl edition of The Nick Zelaya Show. I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Tobin, you guys know him, and Ben Poon all the way in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Gentlemen, first I want to ask you, is there a better sporting event than the Super Bowl? I mean, for me as a golf fan, it's my favorite's the Masters and second is March Madness just because I love basketball. But I mean, Super Bowls, the whole week leading up to it, which unfortunately there can't be this year, that's just a big part of it. And the whole fan experience for everyone that gets to go and go to the game, which also is limited this year, but it will still be one of the most watched games ever. So I'm, I'm, I think it's probably the best event for most people. Love the Super Bowl. Exactly what you're talking about. I mean, in terms of, TV shows, ranking outside not even sports, everyone is going to be Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, and probably from the most recent years. So it's something that brings uh, communities together, fans together, and it, it really grows the game. And it's one of the most uh, important days of the sports calendar year, especially for... I'd, I'd say if it costs $5 million to get a commercial for 30 seconds, pretty important event on national television now before we get into the super bowl let's recap our teams a little bit ben you're a new york giants fan jack you're a patriots fan i'm a broncos fan our teams combined for an 18 and 30 record this season ben i want to start with you and your g-men what what are your thoughts on this nfc least strange season for you guys there's a lot of up and downs being a giants fan ended up six and ten of the season second place in the division a lot of times when watching this team, they were in winnable positions where they had the ball late and driving down the field and then uh, something would happen and they would screw it up. But realistically, if, if they flipped a bunch of those games, it, it, a 10-6 season is completely feasible with the way they played. Jones was erratic, but he made some strides in the second year. Um, you lose Barkley, you lose a bunch of offensive weapons, but – it, they, they managed to, to hang in there late in the year. The defense really ratcheted up later in the year. The pass rush got there. Yeah, that was tough. I couldn't imagine. Well, Patriots let me, led me in for a little bit of a little bit of playoff run when they destroyed the Chargers, but I couldn't imagine having that six wins and still like grinding over the last couple of games and having the Eagles thing happen. But for, for my uh, New England Patriots, it was, uh, it was sad to see Cam Newton just struggle individually. I mean, I'm, I was a big Auburn fan and a big, uh, I guess a little bit of a bandwagoner for the Panthers for that year. I mean, I was still, I just really liked watching those games. Um, he just, he didn't have it with the arm strength and the, uh, his mental game was still there. He's still a talented runner, but there, he, he just couldn't throw a football. And it was really tough to watch. Edelman was hurt. Just wasn't a very good year. The facts that they went seven and nine is pretty impressive. It was a really tough watch them get blown out by the 49ers, which I can't really remember many blowouts going that way during my childhood, but Blown, getting blown up by the Bills week 16. Obviously, a lot of New England fans are a little jealous of uh, Brady and Gronk, especially towards the end of the year. But I think a lot of people kind of picked up on the Brady wagon. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of New England fans said, all right, we'll just root for Brady and Gronk. But some good things for the year for me was J.C. Jackson, a great cornerback. He's honestly a good trading asset for New England if they were going to try to make a big move for Deshaun or something like that. Stefan Gilmore, still awesome. He had uh, only allowed 27 receptions in the 11 games he played. That's actually a better proportion than he had the year before, which is incredible when he won a defensive MVP. 
And um, after all the people dropping out for the season, seven and nine really isn't that bad with when there really isn't a quarterback. So disappointing, but good draft pick, which they haven't done in recent years. And I, th- I think there's a chance they can get to 10 wins again. I'll keep the Denver Broncos quick because there's, there's not much to talk about. The team went five and 11. Drew Locke was expecting to have a good season after going four and one to end 2019. He, he couldn't throw to save his life. It seemed like it was interception after interception for Locke. Defensively, I'm going to cut some slack. The Broncos dealt with a lot of injuries. Von Miller lost him at the beginning of the year back in preseason. Bryce Callahan, he most missed most of the year. Jarrell Casey. The list goes on and on. So we're going to get all those guys back. I have confidence, as well as Cortland Sutton on the offensive side. He is one of the probably the best receiver on the team. Him and Jerry Judy are going to be strong wideouts for the team next year. I think they will keep Drew Locke for the 2021 season. I'd be very surprised if they traded for another quarterback or even tried to draft one. I think they're going to give one more shot to him in his third season. If things go well, you stick to the plan, keep Drew Locke. But if things don't go well, that might be the time looking at 2022 when you decide to change things up. So there's, there's lots of optimism for all three of our teams going into next season. Now getting into a couple of teams that actually know how to win. The Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers facing off in Super Bowl 55. I'm really excited to get talking about this game, dive deep into these two teams. But first, Jack and Ben, when that AFC Championship game ended last Sunday and we had our Super Bowl matchup, what, are, what were your guys' initial thoughts on the Chiefs playing the Buccaneers? Ben, I want to start with you. Sure. I mean, previewing this matchup is just going to be so much fun. I mean, the moment that game ended, I was just looking forward to two weeks from now because I knew both football teams were playing their best football at the end of the year. Brady, Mahomes, arguably two of the most marketable faces in the league. Uh, I could see easily two two storylines coming from this. If the Chiefs win, it's almost like a passing of the torch. You have your current greatest of all time going to your potential new greatest of all time as Brady potentially goes off from the sunset or maybe plays a little more. But if Brady is able to, to win his seventh, did I really say that? His seventh Super Bowl in his career, it just stamps his legacy even more just to show how dominant he's been and put him up in the echelon with the Gretzkys, the, the Babe Ruths, the Michael Jordans, rather than just football players. Yeah, my first thought was, I mean, how often in sports history does, do these players overlap? it's kind of like Michael versus LeBron. If say the Wizards somehow, or they never got to play each other, but it's, it's almost as if it's Michael versus LeBron or uh, this is unreal. I've never seen, I think this could be the most watched Super Bowl ever. Um, Super Bowl 49 was the most watched uh, game ever. But um, my, another first thought, which I, I did some research on this too, was the Chiefs would be the first team in NFL history to win the Super Bowl with a below 500 against the spread record on the year. They're eight and 10 against the spread. No team has ever won the Super Bowl by doing that. Um, that would be incredible. And another thing I really thought about was how Brady has accounted for a 25% of Patrick Mahomes' career losses. Like, it's just incredible how good Mahomes is that he's only lost eight games. And then Brady's career win percentage is around 80%. I mean, like Ben said, this is could be the passing of the torch and it's just incredible that these two guys overlap because in my opinion, they're the two best quarterbacks ever. Like Mahomes, his career is young and everything, but his talent is off the charts. So this, this seems like the Super Bowl that the NFL was hoping for revenue wise. They lost a lot due to ticket sales and all of that with fans not be able to go. 
So they needed something to finish off the season strong. And having this Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes matchup just seems like the perfectly executed Super Bowl matchup for, but between these two teams. Also, I think Tom Brady, he's just trying to make more history now. He's the first quarterback of the home team for the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay, playing in Tampa Bay. He's the first ever to do that. This might have been his plan the entire time. He knew the Super Bowl was going to be in Tampa Bay. So maybe he went down there just to make more history because at this point he's running out of records to break. He's broken every record if not, or he'll finish breaking all the records by the time he finishes his career. He said he wants to play till 45 today during media day. I'd be very surprised if that were to happen. Taking a look at this Kansas City offense against this Tampa Bay defense. The Chiefs with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they drafted him in the first round. Their running game's been a little iffy this season, ranked 16th in the nation, in the country, excuse me. Tampa Bay, they've got the best rushing defense in the NFL. So Jack, starting with you on this one, do you think Kansas City can have success running the ball against the Buccaneers, or are they just gonna need to let it fly? I, I don't think they're gonna have much success. Um... I think Tampa expects that a little bit that they're going to want to throw. Um, Darrell Williams has been the Chiefs running back the last few games. He's still pretty new to the team. Uh, I guess Edward Tolaire hasn't really worked out in his rookie season to what they want him to be. But against this Tampa Bay rush defense, I don't see them not utilizing Mahomes, just kind of making things happen with Kelsey and Hill, arguably the best two targets in the league, and they're both on the same team. So um, I don't see them running very much. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with Jack on this one. If you look at the game early in the year, we rewind to that previous matchup in week 12 between Kansas City and Tampa Bay. The offense just kind of exploded on those big deep balls. You had the two early Tyreek Hill touchdowns and a field goal in the first quarter. But other than that, they only had two more touchdowns for the rest of the remaining three quarters. And I attribute a lot of that uh, stalling, you might say, was they increased the number of run attempts. And Tampa Bay has an elite rush defense, as you stated before, Nick. So I really don't think there's a need to feature the run up, the run game, considering the fact that rowing has been the Chiefs' bread and butter for all of Mahomes' career, and Tampa is just so so gosh darn good at defending the run. The Buccaneers have given up 85 rushing yards in this postseason so far, and they've played guys like Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones. They've really locked down that front four, that front seven. They've really locked down the opponent's running backs. Now switching things up a little bit, this Tampa Bay offense against this Kansas City defense. Tom Brady's got lots of weapons. He's got Mike Evans. He's got Chris Godwin. Now Scotty Miller, who's really stepping up. Rob Gronkowski. Do you think Kansas City can stop Tampa Bay's powerful offense with Tom Brady and even the running back game Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette Ben can Kansas City stop Tampa Bay I think they can to some extent I mean Tom Brady is just an unstoppable force if you give him enough time in the pocket but it's been demonstrated many year after years that the teams that can beat Tom Brady are the teams that can produce pass rush can get through the trenches and get after the quarterback front seven last week against Buffalo it's exactly what the Chiefs did Josh Allen had very little time to make uh, proper reads and decide where he wanted to go with the ball. And it led to a lot of sacks and a lot of errant throws that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So the guys up front, Chris Jones and others, they, they really need to dominate uh, the trenches if they want to beat Brady because the only way to beat him is to get pressure on him. I honestly, I, I kind of agree. But one thing I, I think that's going to really happen is they're going to try to avoid those that Scotty Miller play that happened last week. 
is I really think scaring the chiefs and they're going to try to contain Brady to short throws, which is kind of his bread and butter. I think the chiefs are going to try to slow down Tampa a little bit. And I think Tampa wants to play slow to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field because I think that 2019, 2018 season AFC championship where Brady took seven, eight minutes on some drives to just keep Mahomes off the field. And, and it got to the fourth quarter when it was only like 17 to 14 with like eight minutes left. And that's just because Brady took forever. I, I think they're going to try to slow Brady down, which is kind of what he wants to do to try to avoid those Mike Evans, Godwin, and even the Scotty Miller kind of plays. For me, guys, it's going to be important for Kansas City, that secondary, to really stop the long ball. You know Tampa Bay, they're going to do these small, choppy plays, try to waste as much time as possible. But Tom Brady, we saw it against Green Bay. He likes to throw that 30 to 40 yard deep pass when you're not expecting it. And that, that could really hurt Kansas City in this game if they're not prepared for that. Now, talking about the quarterbacks a little, it's the main storyline in this Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, really the present past going against the future. So taking a look back at this regular season, who has been more important for their respective team? Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes? Ben, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, this is such a tough question because when you, when I thought about it at first, my brain was just saying there's really no wrong answer to this because both of them have just been so vital in, in a way that is indescribable or comparable to basically any other quarterback in the league today. But I got to lean Brady on this one. And my reasoning was if you look in years past with the Chiefs when they had Alex Smith at quarterback, they were still a playoff contender with the same core with Kelsey, with Hill, with um, – with Marcus Robinson, similar core, and they were still able to make it to the divisional round uh, and compete in, in the AFC. On the other side, with Tampa Bay, when was their last playoff appearance? Like 2007, 2008? Unclear, and it was just a complete 180 in one year to be able to just flip the switch with the exact same core and turn to the Super Bowl because of realistically one guy. Yeah, I have to agree. It has to be Brady. I mean, if Brady wasn't there, there'd be no Antonio Brown. There'd be no Rob Gronkowski. Honestly, they might've been on the team last year, but just Ndamukong Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul, they're a little past their, uh, I, maybe not Pierre-Paul, but they seem a little past their prime. If they want to play with Brady, they want to be be a part of this game. Uh, and yeah, what, what Ben was saying earlier, the, the Buccaneers' last playoff win was the 2002 Super Bowl. And their last playoff appearance was a loss to the Giants in 2007 when the Giants wound up winning the whole thing. But it's got to be Brady because Mahomes, he has Hill, he has Kelsey. And Tampa added Brown and Gronkowski solely because Tom Brady is a quarterback. There was no way if any other quarterback was there, they would have went to this team. So I think it has to be Tom. Tom Brady's taken a 7-9 and team, made them an 11-5 team, and took them to the Super Bowl. Most of the team hasn't played in a single playoff game in their entire career. So there could have been a lot of questions. Tom Brady, he's obviously got all the experience in the world. You've got these almost playoff rookies going into your first matchup against Washington, then New Orleans, then Green Bay. You don't know how they're going to play, but they just played football. They listened to Tom Brady. Bruce Arians said he almost lets Tom Brady just do the coaching. He sits back and just watches Brady do his magic, and it really has led Tampa Bay to go to the Super Bowl. Look at a guy like Ronald Jones. Last year, he averaged 4.2 yards per rush. This year, 5.1. Obviously, Tom Brady's involved more of the receivers and tight ends. It's more balanced when you're looking at the receiving yards. But even those guys, their production has improved because they have a guy like Tom Brady 
compared to Jameis Winston, who can throw them a ball and connect on multiple routes. Now, Tom Brady, this is his 10th Super Bowl, which is just remarkable. There are very few players across the four major sports in America that have won seven titles. Tom Brady has a chance to do that this Sunday. But taking a look back at these 10 teams that he has faced off in the Super Bowl, it's a little close about who could be the greatest team he's ever had to face. Ben, I want to start with you right now. Who is the greatest team that Tom Brady has had to face in a Super Bowl? For me personally, I'm going to have to go with the 2014-2015 Seattle Seahawks. And for a multitude of reasons. First of all, they were the best defense, not just that year, but basically that entire start of the decade. I think the 2013 Seattle Seahawks were had the lowest points allowed per game in a season. And the upcoming year after that, after they won the Super Bowl against Denver, they brought a lot of their core back. They were third in rush defense and by far the best in pass defense in that season. Um, not only was their defense elite, but they also had the best running game in the NFL, led the, led the league in yards, led the league in rushing touchdowns. Um, and New England was kind of mad against the run that year. So that was a big preview that they were talking about. And something that was kind of under the radar when I was doing my research, but logically, Brady was going to be able to get scouted at this point in his career. Uh, by then, he had already won a lot of Super Bowls. He had lost Super Bowls. He had played a lot of games in high-leverage situations. And Seattle had the defensive talent to be able to muster a game plan tailored to stopping Brady specifically. So they had enough game film and the personnel to be able to stop him. And all those things culminated to a dangerous opponent. Yeah, I have the, the that Seahawks team as number two. Um, my number one is the 2001 Greatest Show on Turf uh, Rams, led by MVP Kurt Warner, who led the NFL in passing yards, completions, completion percentage, and passing touchdowns. That's an incredible for one quarterback. They also had legendary running back Marshall Folk, who led the NFL in total touchdowns with 12 rushing touchdowns and nine receiving touchdowns. And he also led the NFL in yards, rushing yards per game at 98.7. It's incredible. They had the MVP quarterback and then the best running back. And at the same time, they had Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, who were two of the, who combined for over 2,400 passing yards, both had over 1,100. And uh, it's incredible all these pieces and a pretty stellar defense that was seventh in the league in points allowed, which is underrated about that team. That 14-point upset um, underdog Patriots team had no business beating that team. Yeah, I I would say the Rams would be second on my list. The Chiefs are probably third, but I have to agree with Ben on this, that 2014-15 Seahawks team. That, that, was, that was the Legion of Boom era with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner. That entire team, that defense was one of the best, if not the greatest defense we've ever really seen in the NFL. NFL.com released a list, the top 10 teams of the 2010s decade. Four of those Seahawks teams made the top 10. That Super Bowl winning team was eight, but the year before that, when they, they beat the Broncos 43-8, that was the number one team of the decade. They were going into the new year, having, having just won a Super Bowl. Really, they were the easy favorites that season. The Patriots... You know, you got to be a little sensitive when you're talking about Malcolm Butler. You know, Tom Brady got some help there. But the Seahawks, they were a tough team, I think. But that's got to be the toughest team Tom Brady has had to face. That defense really made him struggle. But he, he, he was able to fill it out in that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 49. Now, talking about Super Bowl 55, let's get back on track right here. 
X-Factors. Those are always the big parts of each game. You want to look at who's going to make the biggest difference in a game such as the Super Bowl. So let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jack, I want to start with you on this one. Who is the X-Factor for the Buccaneers to win their second Super Bowl? I'd say Carlton Davis or Sean Murphy Bunting, whoever is assigned to Tyreek Hill. I mean, that man is virtually unguardable. There's a chance there'll be multiple people assigned him at the same time. And that will open up stuff for Kelsey. But I, I think whoever's guarding Tyreek Hill, which the um, Buccaneers colossally failed at in week 12. So they're going to have a new game plan there. And I think whichever players are assigned to slowing him down, anything under 130 yards, in my opinion, is a win for the Buccaneers. Yeah, for me, it's the flip side of that. As I described, as Jack probably described before, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, all those guys up in the front seven, if they're able to get some pressure on Mahomes with his his turf toe, all his lack of mobility, I think the, the fact that Tampa Bay has one of the best uh, pass rushes in the NFL, that's going to attribute largely in this game. And it will be a huge reason why the Bucks win if they do. For me, it's a guy that's missed a couple of the last games, Antonio Brown. He obviously was suspended for the first eight games of the year. He had 45 receptions for 483 yards on the year. Back when they played Kansas City in week 12, two catches for 13 yards. He was non-existent in that one. But I think you've got all these weapons. You've got Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. That Chiefs secondary, they're going to be focused on him them it's going to leave one guy open that guy can be antonio brown he could be having a very good game in the super bowl if they just put one of their third string cornerbacks almost on antonio brown he's a very talented receiver people forgot he was the leading receiver for many years when he was with pittsburgh he's obviously had a lot of off-field issues over the last few years but Antonio Brown, he looks strong at moments during the regular season. This could be a game that he really steps up and helps Tampa Bay win the Super Bowl. Now, talking about the other team, the favorites in the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs. Ben, starting with you on this one, who is the X factor for the Kansas City Chiefs in this matchup? Yeah, once again, I wasn't really able to pinpoint an exact player for the X factor, but all in all, I think it's going to be Kansas City's speed that's going to be the difference in this game, it's particularly Mr. Mahomes himself, as I mentioned before, as a, as a nagging turf toe injury that might be able to affect his mobility outside of the pocket. But you, you name Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson. Any single one of them could go for a 70-yard touchdown on, on any given – me, Cole Hardman, any of them. You could just run deep and boom, that's six points out of nowhere and – Big plays like that are what determine the Super Bowl usually. For me, I'm going to go up in the trenches. Um, Martinez Rankin. It's, it's going to be his 10th career start. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be his 10th career start um, in three years. He started four games in Houston in 2018. He started six in 2019 for the Chiefs. And this will be his fourth start this year. He's replacing Eric Fisher. He's going to be mashed up on Jason Pierre-Paul. There was a backup left tackle that was mashed up against um, – Jason Pierre-Paul for the Packers named Billy Turner, and he got schooled a few times. So I really think if Martinez Rankin can play like a starter, there might be no way for the, um, for the Buccaneers to win this game. If I don't necessarily predict him to play like a starter, but he's got one of the best uh, sack, sack guys in the NFL he's going to be matched up against. And as a backup in his 10th career start in three years in the biggest game ever, 
I mean, he knows how to guard good quarterbacks. He was Dak Prescott's starting lineman at Mississippi State, and he got to play with Deshaun Watson a couple of years ago. But they have to slow down Tampa's pass defense, which is getting a lot of hype on these uh, sports shows on TV. And I really think that him replacing a good starter in Eric Fisher, that's going to be the X factor. Jack, you basically read my mind. My X factor was the entire Chiefs O-line. Austin Ryder, who is the starting center for the Kansas City Chiefs, is the only guy who was there week one starting for the team. They've had guys who have either opted out or had injuries. You mentioned it. Eric Fisher got injured during the playoffs. Mitchell Schwartz, he's a big piece. Their left tackle who's going to be missing. And this O-line, they've got a tough task going against this Tampa Bay front four, the top rush defense in the entire NFL the, these backups, it's the biggest game of their life. And I don't see that, them having a great game. That's why I think Kansas City is going to need to throw the ball. They're going to need to throw the ball. They're going to struggle trying to run it and get yards on the ground. They're going to need to throw it. But if this O-line, if they prove to be NFL-worthy NFL starters, could help them in the long run. Now, you guys like to bet. So we're going we're gonna to talk some props now. I've got a few props listed right here, and I want to get your guys' opinion as to what you think is going to happen in this Super Bowl. I want to get started first with the most important one, the coin toss. Taking a look at the coin toss. Over the last seven years, it's been tails six times. Overall, 29 to 25, tails is leading. So, Jack, heads or tails? I mean, this is the most important bet of the night. Uh, if, you, if you're already down money before kickoff, that's really tough. Um, I'm going to go heads. Um, I have a feeling it's not going to be a head on the coin. It's probably going to be some weird like logo or something. It's going to make no sense why that is the term to be heads and the other one's the term to be tails, but I have a feeling it's going to wind up being heads. Student analysis, Jack. I'll do a, I'll do a test run. <laughs> this one was tails. So I'm also going to go with heads. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I've I've got tails. I mean, six of the last seven. That that's tough to beat. All right, now the first team to score, Kansas City is the favorite right now. Who do you, Ben? Kansas City or Tampa Bay? Who's getting on the board first? As as Jack was saying, the coin toss is very important in many facets. Uh, this is a basically a coin toss dependent game. Whichever team loses the coin toss is going to get the ball first, most likely. So. I like both offenses this game. I think it's going to be quite a, quite a lot of points. Um, so if I can get plus money on any given team, then I'm going to. So I'm going to take Tampa on this one. Yeah, this is a really tough one. Um, based on Mahomes' career in the playoffs, he doesn't get off to great starts. So I guess I'll lean Tampa. Um, I'll go Tampa just because Mahomes will it – won't, it won't fluster the Chiefs whatsoever if they're down three or seven, nothing. But I'm, I'm going Tampa. You, you guys both got Tampa, so I think for the fun of the game, I'll pick Kansas City. I think really whichever team gets the ball first is going to score first, regardless if it's a field goal or a touchdown. That team will get on the board. Now let's get into some specific players. Patrick Mahomes first. Passing yards set at 326.5. Jack, you taking the under or over? I'm going to – I'll go over there. Um, my personal favorite prop of the day is Mahomes over 40.5 pass attempts. Um I just see that since Taylor Heineke put up 48 passes or 44, Rodgers put up 48 and broken Drew Brees put up 34 passes. I, I just think Mahomes is going to go over in pretty much all the yards, completions, completion attempts, 
And my, my favorite one's completion attempts. Yeah, I like the over in this pick too. Uh, the last time the Chiefs played the Bucks, Mahomes had around 450 passing yards. So it's like 100 less than that. Uh, I think that's way too big of a handicap given the magnitude of the game and the success Mahomes has had in these playoff games. Yeah, give me the over with the better player. We keep bringing up this Tampa Bay front four and this injured Kansas City O-line. I expect Patrick Mahomes to throw the ball a lot. He's going to hit the over on attempts and yards. I'm taking the over. Seven games where he's thrown over 330 passing yards this season. That's that's incredible. Now, Travis Kelsey, the arguably one of the best tight ends we've ever seen now. That is set at 96 and a half. Ben, you taking the over or under? 96 and a half. Huh. So what I was thinking with this game, I've leaned a little bit both ways, but I like the game plan that the, the Bucks released on Kelsey the last time. They had him covered a lot on the, the short routes and basically said – get to the middle of the field, and if you can get that, you can get that. I think he had 88 yards the last time they played, so if history repeats itself, I like the under there, and I think there's just way too many weapons. Even though he's been trending up, I'm going to go. If I had to pick, I would pick under. I was actually – I'm 100% agreement on that. I'm going under here. Um, I just think that a lot of the times with him up the middle, it comes down to some linebacker kind of stuff, and I just think Devin White and Levante David are – two of the best linebackers in the league. And if anyone's going to slow down uh, Kelsey, it's going to be them. And as Ben said, he would have went under this number in week 12. And I, I expect uh, an under here. All right. Clearly I'm on a stranded boat by myself. I'm taking the over on this one. I just don't think teams have found a way to stop Travis Kelsey. He is, if you, even if you do try to stop him, you, you don't, he finds a way to get open the Broncos play him twice during the regular season. I'm Trust me, I'm aware of that. Now let's get to the Tampa Bay side. Tom Brady passing touchdowns. That's set at two and a half. Jack, you taking the over or under on that? I like three here. Um, I think he's going to get three. I'll take the over. They might not be pretty, but I, I, I like th- just three. So, yeah, over. Uh. For the first time, I think, during these props, we disagree, Jack. I think he's going to go under the two and a half. Historically, Tom Brady has been a run-first player in the red zone uh, when during his Patriots Super Bowl runs. I want to say he averages close to 20 touchdowns, like uh, two-point-something touchdowns, around 28 maybe. I don't, I'm not 100% sure what the number is, but the through the 10 games he's played, they've been run-first in the red zone most of the time when on New England, so – I can see definitely Fournette or Rojo or even a QB sneak to run that in. Jack, I agree with you on this one. I'm taking the over. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair between these two teams. Both guys love to score. So I'm going to take the over on this. And the last one right here, Leonard Fournette, rushing yards, 50 and a half. Ben, under or over? I love the over in this bet. He's gone over 50 and a half in all three playoff games so far. They're really starting to use him. He looks like he's got fresh legs. So far this entire postseason, he's been the better back compared to Ronald Jones. He catches the ball. He keeps him on the field. He gets the goal line touches. Uh, I like the over here a lot based on the past usage during this postseason. Uh, I'm, I'm really torn on this one. I, I'd lean under. It just seems too good to be true that he'll have four straight, like really above average games, but maybe this is the new average for him. 
I'd lean under on rush yards and potentially over on rush plus receiving yards. I feel like he'll be in the forties or high thirties for rush yards and get about the same for receiving yards. I feel like Rojo is going to get a little more involved this game. It just makes sense to me, but I could, this one could be, he could get 60 yards and wouldn't even notice it. So I'd take the under, but it's going to be, it's going to be close. Ben, I'm agreeing with you on this one. I'm taking the over. I think Leonard Fournette's too talented of a running back to have a bad game, although he is behind Ronald Jones, who's beginning most of the touches. Leonard Fournette's such a great running back. I can't see him having less than 50 yards. So as we wrap things up in this episode, Super Bowl edition, we, of course, need to predict the game after all. So, gentlemen, I want to ask you guys a couple things. Bold predictions for the game, your score, who wins, and who's going to be the Super Bowl MVP Ben, you're, you're the new co-host here. I want to start with you. What's one bold prediction you have for the Super Bowl? One bold prediction? Um, I'm going to have to say there's going to be a defensive touchdown in this game to some capacity. I think there's going to be enough heat on both sides on the quarterback. Uh, both have been prone to throw interceptions in some of their playoff games in the past. And based on the speed of both defenses, both the secondaries, they have absolutely – every capability to return one to the house. So I like a defensive score in this game. Yeah, I, I, um, I wouldn't be surprised with the defensive score here or there, but I really like the under. Um, there's been, this is the 14th time that a Super Bowl matchup is occurring as a rematch in the regular season and the under has hit 10 out of the 13 times. And I also, I don't know if this is bold or not, but I think Tampa Bay can win this football game. Um, in the last seven times that the there was a rematch from the regular season of in the Super Bowl, the, the team that lost in the regular season won it outright. So I, uh, I guess picking Tampa to cover and win the game, and then I'm, I'm taking the under here, which just because these two offenses, I feel a lot of people are going to lean to the over that number, but I think it's going to be slightly under. All right. Well, Jack, I guess we're getting right into predictions. Jack, what's your score? What is Tampa Bay winning by? I have it uh, 28 to 25. I have it 28-17 with like five-ish minutes left. Chiefs go down, get the touchdown and the two-point conversion. Um, yeah, the, uh, I just think it, I think it leans under. I'm more confident on the under than I am the Buccaneers, but. Who, who is, who's going to be the Super Bowl MVP for you? Mr. Brady. <laughs> Mr. Brady, he gets another one. He gets another one. Ben, now you. Who wins? What's the score? Who's the MVP? I mean, I feel like my analysis has pointed Chiefs basically this whole show. I love Mahomes as a player. I really don't like Tom Brady. I like the Chiefs in this one. 31-24, Mahomes rides off into the sunset with the MVP. All right, well, I'm taking the Chiefs. I've mentioned it a couple times. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Lots of touchdowns. I'm taking the Chiefs 38-35. It's going to be a close battle, but the Chiefs come out on top. And my MVP, Travis Kelsey. I think he's bound for a huge game. Two touchdowns, over 100 receiving yards. But hey, that, that's, that's just my opinion. Anyways, thank you everyone for watching this second episode and Super Bowl preview on the Nick Elias Show. Thank you to my co-hosts, Jack Tobin and Ben Poon, for joining me. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe for more content. We'll see you next time. This has been the Nick Elias Show. Like, comment, and follow for more exclusive content.